I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Like victory. G'day listeners, welcome back to Full Metal Movie Reviews. It's your host, Samboy, and this week we've got a special flashback. We're going way back. We're going deep into the jungle, the misty waters. We have talked about this genius filmmaker's filmography in previous episodes, but we've never sat down and dedicated a whole episode to the visionary that is, or was, George A. Romero. And with me to discuss all things The Living Dead is everybody's favorite co-host, the amazing, the fantastic Anth. Anth, how are you? Birds. But no, thank you for bringing me on, Sam, and I look forward to today's podcast. So believe it or not, I'm not actually super well... I guess, knowledgeable about George A. Romero's works. Obviously, I've seen a fair ton of his stuff. Yeah, don't, don't know too much about him. So this is, a, you know, treading new waters. And, and I actually haven't seen some of his more famous works, which we'll, we'll get into. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this podcast, and I'm sure you'll be able to teach me something that I don't know. <laughs> I'm in the wrong place. Yeah, I can't, I can't teach <laughs> shit, Jack. I've got no idea. So the year is 1968. 1968, <laughs> and and um, a film comes out by a a independent filmmaker. He's he hasn't been brought up by the system. He's kicking the fires, lighting some tires. He is absolutely batshit crazy, but we all love him for it. The film is The Night of the Living Dead. Now, The Night of the Living Dead is one of those things where I have to say, if you are a fan of the genre and you enjoy, I guess, just general sort of thriller suspense films, and horror, I suppose, you have no credibility unless you've seen this film. That's just flat out. This is the film that started it all. It started the whole concept of, well, I guess zombies. There have been zombie films before this, but in terms of zombies roaming around, uh, oh, no, 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 man. Look, yeah, there was like uh, a white zombie or whatever, but this is this is the first um, time zombies... Zombies before used to be like voodoo um, yeah. style stuff. Yeah. This is the first time it's been a reanimated cor- uh, corpse and it's the zombies that we all know and love and fear that there's going to be an apocalypse about. Yeah, correct. Um, it also gave us the first time we... Uh, well, that I know of, anyway that the old sort of trope of the way to kill the zombie is to take out the head. It also gave us the fact that the reanimated corpses were sort of slow, but I guess probably not to the extent that some people sort of think of or associate with zombies. Because if you rewatch this film, these guys move quick 
they are somewhat sentient because they use tools, have, I guess, somewhat of a strategy in terms of capturing their prey. So they're not entirely dumb fucks. They are quite sort of uh, a legitimate threat. Mm. Well, the, f- um, the first zombie we see grabs a rock and tries to smash a car window. Well, and then there's numerous times where the zombies grab sticks. Uh, one grabs, I think, a leg of a chair or a leg of, of a table. Mm. Um, so they they have some sort of, I guess, remembrance of what things are and how to, and how to piece things together. It was uh, also the first film. Now, this is 1968. You got to understand this. This is, this is fucking crazy what I'm about to say. 1968. One of the first films that had a black protagonist or African American protagonist mm-hmm. alongside a white American, you know, apple pie, you know, sort of sweetheart, cheerleader. I want to say, is she a protagonist? I guess she is. She's not really, because it's not really her story. It starts off as a story, but it well, kind of quickly doesn't go that way. Well, we follow, we, we do follow her. Um, at the very beginning, and then the story kind of progresses to be more advanced. But she's kind of like, I want to say, the catalyst, because she just ends up doing nothing for a bit. But I guess she's always piecing, piecing it together, sorry. Correct. Um, and then the next thing is, it's, it's, so there's so many innovations in this film, it's, it's, a, it's absolutely amazing, that the narrative isn't a hero's journey. You follow a survivor who then meets up with another survivor and then that story gets twisted into other survivors that there's a lone survivor and out of that lone survivor that he has an ending. So it's not a linear story where you're watching two people try to survive a zombie um, apocalypse. Additionally, the the hero that you think is the person that's going to sort of save the day, Brad, I think his name is, he cops it within the first five minutes. <laughs> So the action you, kicks off. About, oh, Johnny. Johnny, sorry. He kicks off straight away, and he, he cops it in the first five minutes, which is... They're coming to get you, Barbara. So there's a, that's a swerve. There's a lot of swerves in this. And lastly, it's, I guess, one of the few films at the time where it ended on a very dour note that the hero is actually killed. So <laughs> it's not... It's, it's, it's breaking all the rules. And what you, what you get is a... I would say, I very rarely throughout this term, but I think, in my opinion, anyway, and it is just one man's opinion, this film is a masterpiece. Flat out, a masterpiece. You have to view it through, though through the prism of 1968. It yep. is a bit over the top with the score, and the I guess the music is somewhat annoying. Like the actual, yeah, yeah, I'd agree bit, with that. But, yeah. <laughs> but as well, but here's the thing with that, yeah. and you got to look at it, yeah, it's 1968, but you got to look at it as well. It's an independent movie, um, and... There's no budget. There's, um, yeah, a perfect example of that is when she crashes the car. The reason why she crashed the car is because the car ended up getting a dent um, off the set, and they only had one car. And they're like, "Well, how can we incorporate this dent?" So that's why she crashed the car. So that that's the reason why the score's a bit over the top and everything. This movie was made with hopes and dreams, right? And look at the legacy it's left behind. So you can forgive an over-the-top, you know, every three or four seconds um, to, yeah, pretty much, em- yeah. to embrace what this movie is. And, and you're right, it is a masterpiece. And ladies and gentlemen, I need you to remember a couple of key points here. Sam said it a few times. I'm going to say it. it's 1968. Okay, Halloween is pretty much 10 years away. 
Alien is 10 years away. Friday the 13th is over 10 years away. And Nightmare on Elm Street is almost 20 years away. This is 1968. This movie here predates all those horror classics and set the bar for horror going forward. Yeah, the others might have set the bar for slashes, but this set the bar for horror. Sure does. Um, and you actually, you just, you know, uh, raise a very very poignant uh, point there, Anth. This also set the trend of major, major big-time Hollywood directors launching their careers through independent horror films. So, John Carpenter's Halloween, independent horror film. And then I was going to talk about Sam Raimi with uh, The Evil Dead. Yes, correct. Yep. Um, um, so, you have a massive director launching his career through that independent film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's, a, there's a, another couple, but I can't really remember off the top of my head. But my, that's my point, right? So, this guy is a... George A. Romero is a pioneer. He's a visionary. He is the first to walk this path. And he executes it brilliantly. What I also like about this film, Night of the Living Dead, is that genuinely, with all sort of his movies, and I guess you probably don't really realize this if you saw this one first and then you, and you watch these sort of films in sort of linear sequence, but all of these films have existential crisis amongst the human survivors and there's always conflict within the human group. There's never a unity. There's never a united front against the common enemy. It, and I guess that's a metaphor, what he's trying to say about humanity, that despite whatever dangers we face, humans will always try to fucking be shit, will always be shitty to one another, right? I guess what humans always will look after their own self-interest before the, that of the group, right? And this is really evident in, in, the, um, in this film because you have one group of survivors that have boarded up the house and... They believe the best course of action would be get in the car and drive away. Then you have another group of survivors that just want to bunker down in the cellar. And you have these two males trying to alpha for the position to to decide what is the best thing to do for the group. At the time, you think, well, the best thing would be to would be put petrol in the car, start the car, get the fuck out of there. So you think, logically, that you'd do that. That plan fails gloriously. We lose two survivors straight out. Although that whole sequence is a bit janky because it is 1968 and it's a bit like, mm, really? <laughs> like that sequence of events, really? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, like, you, you, like <laughs> it is a bit, uh, yeah, use your imagination there. I, I just want to talk about that real quick. That Go actress, sure, yeah. that actress that played the uh, girlfriend, like, I can't remember what her line was, but her sense of urgency is just like, she's just like, oh, no. And then kaboom. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. It's, it's a bit like... No, but that's what happens when you've got no budget, man. You, you get what you're given. You work. Yeah. You make it work. Pretty much. What ultimately tends to be the best outcome is to actually bunker down in the, in the, in the cellar because the, the zombies can't break through the cellar door. And what they'll do is wait it out. And then once, they'll, once they can wait it out long enough, they'll come back up. So that eventually is the best course of action but because the guy um i think his name is uh cooper yeah in the film harry cooper king cooper he's he's just a dickhead and he's just so argumentative and so violent and vitriol like he's just like fuck off cock nobody wants to listen to him and that Mm -hmm. leads to a confrontation with the protagonist uh in um ben 
and Ben sh- ends up shooting him to fucking shooting Cooper to like just get him out of just to tell him to fuck off, right? Mm. And so he commits murder. What he thinks is self-preservation turns out in a se- another sort of mm, I want to say bullshitty sequence of events, but the 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 situation is overrun. They got he's got nowhere to turn, so he bunkers down in the cellar. Yeah. Um, we're not going to sort of run through these movies or the plots of the movies because I guess there's some sort of expectation that you guys have seen these films, and if you haven't, go on Wikipedia or better yet, watch them. But would you, and yeah. What do you think? Would you take the cellar option or would you take the option to go to the car? Oh no, I'm trying to GTFO. Mm. <laughs> you know, like look, I guess the you know the cellar option. It's hard to say, but you know, if there's a car there and there's a fuel shed there and there's keys to the fuel shed, you don't expect some idiot's gonna freaking pour petrol everywhere and then light a match. You know what I mean? So I would, and you can outrun the zombies as they um, realize, or ghouls as they're called in this movie. Ah, yeah, so, I was gonna get to that. Yep. Yeah. So I would, um, uh, yeah, I would definitely probably bail. What would you do, my man? Yeah, I would definitely bail too. I mean, the fact that they can outrun them. Essentially, what you do is you send out one person or two people yeah. with bait to have them and have them run in the opposite direction. Then you send out another person to the car, fill up the car. Then you send the car to that person to pick them up. Then they do a full circle back to the house and everyone just jumps in the car and gets out. Like, that's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the girlfriend stuffed it up. That's right. She goes, Wait for me, yeah. and then runs the house. Right. Yeah, the girlfriend stuff. So I mean, it's a weird. It's not. To be honest, the actual way it's shot, it isn't quite clear of how it gets fucked up so badly. Like it's a bit of a logic leap to think that they're that incompetent. But I guess the vibe is that it's scary, and they're just petrified, right? Which you would be. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Like the next thing is lighting. Lighting in this film is used so well adds a lot to the tension and yep. the what is around the corner, what's lurking around the corner. And I believe it was shot in black and white because one, it saves money. Yes. Two, it allows them to shoot during the day, even though it's black and white. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Um, and three, I think he actually artistically made that decision as well because of the use of shadows. And yeah. it actually makes it emphasize the shadows a lot. And... Interestingly, one of the most scariest things I've ever... Because I watched this when I was like fucking eight or something, maybe ten. One of the most scariest visions I or pictures that I've, I've sort of... That stayed with me, and maybe it's pro- probably to a degree what's put me off horror movies, is the basement scene where he's... Ben's locked himself in the basement. Yeah. He's, he's in the basement with uh, Cooper's daughter, who, yeah. unbeknownst to him, has turned to zombie. And is eating her father, the body of her father. Yeah, yeah. And you just look at it, and it's just this one globe in a basement, a lot of shadow. She's crouched over him and just gnawing down on the dude's corpse. It is brutal, man. It is like one of the most striking images that a director has ever composed, in my opinion. And it's fantastic. I love it. Nah, you're absolutely right. And. It's like, um, okay, so while we're doing this, I was just like, I need a refresher on that car explosion scene. So I just rewatched it while you were talking, obviously listening to you because I got on mute. And um, yeah, you're right. That whole scene just doesn't make any sense. The kid 
pours petrol on the car. Yeah, yeah. And the torch lights it. Anyway. Um, George A. Romero is really good at a couple of things. Actually, two two key things. Doing a lot with a little and then yep. doing a lot with a lot, which we'll talk about in the in I'm sure very soon when we discuss some of the other films. So and what I mean by doing a lot with a lot is he can take okay, using black and white, using shadows, hiding the zombies, you know, not giving too much, uh, using quick cuts, that type of stuff. He can do that and create atmosphere and tension. But then he can put something right up in front of your face that is just absolutely terrifying. And if we talk about Day of the Dead, I want to mention a couple of um, scenes where I explain this a little further, but he puts stuff that's right in your face where you see everything. And it just puts you at ease. And he can do that either way. He's He was a very skilled filmmaker in that sense. And that uh, is a perfect example. That's like a taste. The scene that you mentioned when Cooper was getting eaten by his daughter, locked alone with Ben, that's an early example of, um, of George A. Romero being able to just put something right out in front of your face and just make somebody go, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess also the fact that it's black and white, the makeup isn't really... You don't really have to spend a lot of money on makeup. And he just... What he has, he has the ghouls. He has black makeup that creates like a dark ring under their eyes and has the white... Is it Not the pupil, but the... Um, what's the white called? Whatever, that white part of the eye. The really, white part of the eye. Yeah, white part of the eye. Really distinguished. Um, and then he also has a bit of makeup around the mouth. And some were a bit... Um, some a bit more attention to the other in terms of makeup. They had a bit more of like a decayed look, like their cheekbones were a bit more gaunt. So he obviously emphasized that and tried to make them a bit, the zombies look a bit more skeletal. But to your point, he's doing more with less, right? So he's just emphasizing key strokes. Then in putting that sort of zombie with some really dim lighting, hitting the shadows, it, and then the blood looks this black liquid tar that is just drooping out of this person's mouth. It's really fantastic. Um, and the ending, we'll just skip to the ending. Um, oh, sorry, before I do that, ghouls. So in the film, they're called ghouls, right? They didn't yep. have, never would emphasize the zombies. And the outbreak was caused by radiation through a virus, which is pretty commonplace these days. And the context of the situation was given through the radio and television. So uh, what films today, what they do is they have a whole bunch. They have one character who just gives out lines and lines of exposition to explain the context of the world. What George R. Romero does, he sets up the, the, the context by having the protagonist not knowing what the fuck is going on. So you were them going, what the fuck is going on? And then he finds out through the use of the story of levers of listening to radio bulletins or watching TV reports, right? And then you piece it together as they're piecing it together. So it's actually, yeah, quite really threaded. And the ghouls themselves... We've mentioned that are sentient, they can use tools. That's a constant theme with his movies, that these zombies are learning and they actually trying to sort of develop, or they're just more than brainless zombies. Yeah. But ghouls, I want to emphasize the word ghouls. Why do you think they use ghouls? Because it was on, zombies weren't so mainstream. Is that the, what, what was the, like, I mean, 
They don't ever call them zombies in the films either. They just call them the dead or things or monsters or whatever. But yeah. why ghouls? They, ex- they explicitly say ghouls. Why did Romero <laughs> call them ghouls? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess they didn't have a name for it. But We originally thought of them as ghouls. There were a few universal films about ghouls. That was what was in our minds. We thought of very few rules or powers for them. The idea was they are your neighbor in a different state. So I guess they didn't want to classify them as a specific um, creature. So, because in this little explanation from George A. Romero, what I'm gathering from that, if the idea was that they're your neighbor in a different state of mind, you know, a different state or whatever, essentially it could be me or you catching up for a coffee um, all of a sudden, you've got a couple of dark bags under your eyes. You look a little different. Instead of uh, reaching for a coffee, you bite my arm off. So, yeah. So, I guess that's why. I guess like a like a kind of like why um, Michael Myers was called The Shape. Kind of like a clean canvas, I guess. Mm, mm, yeah, clean canvas. I like that. Yeah. So, um, I guess that's, uh, that's the first foray into what is, I guess, will be his legacy. I mean, he does have a lot of other films, particularly in the 70s and 80s. Creepshow is um, a good example. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 one of my favorites is The Crazies. And um, uh, I, like, I like Knight Riders too, but that's not real. That's a bit weird, that film. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then we've, uh, we, in terms of the next zombie film. Do you, want, do you want to quickly talk about the ending of Night? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you go for it. Yeah, you do. Go take away. Okay, well, the ending of Night Living Dead is um, we're cheering for Ben um, through the entire movie, and essentially every decision that Ben makes ends up being, I won't say incorrect, but ends up being pretty fatal to the group. Um, And all along, uh, what ends up being Ben's saviour is Cooper. And we didn't really mention Barbara too much because Barbara essentially breaks down that's why we weren't sure if we call her a protagonist or not. She breaks down. She does pretty much nothing. Her final straw was she tried to help um, and then ended up getting killed by her zombie brother. So Ben ends up, they, they're overrun by zombies at this point or ghouls. He goes downstairs. He locks himself in the cellar. <clears throat> he ends up being what he thinks is rescued because there's a crew going around cleaning up all the ghouls. You know, shooting whatever's left in the head, burning them on a pile. We find out that you know the outbreak is starting to, I guess, back off a little bit, and these guys are taking care of business. They go into this the house where Ben is. Ben thinks he's being rescued. He opens up the door, bang, shot in the head. And as they say, we've got another one for the pile, and that's your happy ending. So Ben, <laughs> every decision is <laughs> a pretty. Uh, has a few flaws, but, you know, again, a leader's got to make a decision whether it's bad or good. You learn from your mistakes, and it costs him his life. So, that's the ending of A Night of the Living Dead, or Night of the Living Dead, I should say. And that's right. I mean, like, it's not the hero saves the day. He doesn't. He fucks up the day numerous times. <laughs> and But I kind of like that, though. I kind of like it, <laughs> you know? Like... Because he's still the he's still the better character, and you're still rooting for him, but he mm. just he just fucks everything up. And all right, so in between, he makes a few other movies. Um, 
So there's always vanilla season of the witch, which I don't believe is anything to do with the season of the witch Halloween franchise movie. Um, the crazies, which is probably one of my favorite films. Very similar. There's a virus outbreak and everyone goes crazy. <laughs> um, uh, then he makes a, uh, a vampire horror film, Martin, which is, it's pretty good, but it's not, I don't know. It's not my genre. Uh, but we get to 1978 and he finally, finally returns to the genre that made him king. Dawn of the Dead is the sequel. I just want to say that, I mean, you might be ready to cover this, but just between that happening and that, um, Night of the Living Dead was stuck in public domain. So George A. Romero didn't actually make any money from that movie, right? So... Now he's, uh, you know, he's built a bit of a career out of a film that he made no money from. So him returning to the... stuck in public domain? Um, I think it has something to do with release, ratings, um, and that type of stuff. I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, but I just know that this is... Uh, yeah, it just got stuck there and, you know, he, he wasn't making any cash out of it. But returning to it now is what... Yeah, is what Dawn of the Dead is what made him money from the Dead franchise. Dawn of the Dead is, I think, I could be wrong. I think it's the most financially lucrative out of the whole lot. Um, it had a budget of one point five million, made fifty five million. Uh, I think that's, I think that's, that's the most, most lucrative one. Yeah, Day of the Dead only made thirty four million. Uh, oh, Land of the Dead, actually. Land of the Dead might have been... No, Land of the Dead only made $46 million. So there you go. So Day of the Dead... Um, sorry, Dawn of the Dead is the most uh, successful um, entrance into the film. Good. Dawn of the Dead... Uh, okay, so Dawn of the Dead. So people ask why... You know, George R. Romero wasn't really that prolific in terms of the films he, number of films he made. Um, but you know, given that he's an independent filmmaker, that particularly in the seventies, he had to find his own financing, had to find his own distribution, have to find pretty much everything himself. You kind of appreciate the fact that these films weren't made at all. So, Dawn of the Dead, I would say he's probably the most well-known, the most referenced, uh, and probably what people say is the best out of all his zombie films. Not my personal favorite, but I'd probably have to say it, the best made film. It is an escalation on the original. Same principle, a group of survivors. So the Night of Living Dead was set in a farmhouse. This is set in a shopping mall. Initially, you have a lot of zombies cruising around, but you don't really see the threat. And then the threat comes from another external group of humans uh, from these... Uh, fuck, I thought they are called... But they're essentially what they are. They're, they're nomadic bikers, or like Hell's Angels, who invade the mall and then allow the zombies to come in. Everything falls to shit, and the survivors then have to get the fuck out. It's not the one I go back to a lot. Um, like, you know what I mean? It's a bit... It's cool, don't get me wrong, but the actual story itself is a bit meh. I actually have not seen the original 1978 Dawn of the Dead. So, I ain't got nothing here. <laughs> okay, fair, enough. Me out. <laughs> fair enough the 
the uh, 1978 Dawn of the Dead, basically, it's it really isn't too much of uh, a, a distinction between the Night of the Living Dead. I mean, the zombies don't really have that much of a backstory like the original ones. Um, they're just as this phenomenon of this something that's reanimating de- recently deceased humans, um, and that social order is collapsing. So in the original Night of the Living Dead, it was sort of restrained to this one area and you kind of just had, there was just an outbreak and they're just trying to survive the outbreak. But then you had the the sheriff's office and the National Guard taking care of it pretty much by the end of the film. This, it opens up with chaos and that society is crumbling and that um, basically people uh, are all sort of in lockdown, but... It's like it's like the start of the, the decay of the actual apocalypse. So you get that as an introduction, okay? That's the actual introduction of the film. So then, basically, this group of uh, reporters and some National Guard uh, service people decide to um, take sanctuary in a shopping mall. That's what they, they bunker down. They come up with a plan to block all the mall entrances with trucks to stop the undead from coming in. And then... They clean out the mall with the, with the um, zombies, right? And basically, they live in the interior of the shopping mall. Um, and you see them living in the mall and they're pretty much enjoying all the stuff that the mall offers. And they are, I guess, hoping that the world around them will come back and normality will resume. But then all these emergency broadcast transmissions stop the, the air radio air goes silent. The government has collapsed completely. The large population has, sorry, large portion of the population has become zombies. And basically, they need to leave the mall to get supplies for, I think someone's pregnant. can't remember. And they also need fuel for their helicopter. And then the bikers show up. They invade the mall to take it over. Zombies come in, kill everybody. At the end, the hero, uh, he decides he's going to shoot himself because the other zombies have sort of, penetrated their last sort of holdout but he fights through it's a bit campy to be honest if i was to be really honest with you it is very campy um i mean if he's got time to pull on pull, pull a gun on his temple think it over then double think it and then decide no i am gonna live and then he goes out out ladder it's a bit mm. sounds good yeah and then they fly away in the helicopter to an uncertain future so it's a pretty linear story the character's they're kind of interesting. Um, there's not too many decisions to make in, in terms of how do we survive because they got a helicopter and they're pretty, you know, they're in a mole for fuck's sakes. Uh, the the fight with a gang of motorcyclists doesn't really. I mean, there is a bit of a gun 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 battle, but the bikers leave with their stolen goods, so they're like a tribe. They're just coming for a raid and to drive off. So. Yeah, I guess it's just I guess it's more the emphasis on the social decay and the apocalypse side, right? In my opinion, the remake is actually probably a better film than the nineteen seventy eight version. Uh, because the characters are a bit more dimensional, a bit more layered. Um, there's a bit more of emphasis on we can't stay here forever. We have to do something. Let's come up with a plan. Um I like the whole part of the gun shop, gun shop owner across the street that they make friends with and they're just playing a chess match with and that sort of stuff. I don't know. I feel like it's also probably shot better and has a bit more of the modern feel to it. You've seen the remake of... Yeah. Yeah, I own it. There you go. 
There you go. How come um, you haven't seen this one then? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Probably because I'm a jerk, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I I became familiar with um, George A. Romero not through his actual work, but through the remakes. Like, even uh, A Night of the Living, uh, Night of the Living Dead, it was the 1990 remake with Tony Todd as Ben. Um, that's oh. how, that's how, uh, that's what I watched. And then Dawn of the Dead, I watched that, and then... It was kind of when I started going through my horror is wicked phase and I started researching, you know, these movies because then Land of the Dead came out and I watched that and I'm like, oh, directed by George A. Romero. What, he looks old as shit. What has he done? And then I'm like, oh, wait, wait. And then that's how I got introduced to the original. So I, I'm late to the game, man. Late to the game. Hmm. All right. First, fair enough. All right. Well, check it out, man. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> copy. You just take it. Yeah, good. Um, break into your house now. And the... When you have to break, you, know, you can just ask, knock on the door and I'll let you in. Um, oh, good. <laughs> then, after that massive commercial success, and that probably makes sense as to what you said, that you didn't make any money off of that one, so you had to make it... You made a sequel. It was copy, made... copyrights, by the way. Um, oh, they... that's right, because John Russo, he had a fallout with that bloke. Mm. John Russo is the guy that wrote the script. Yeah. I think... The original theatrical distributor, Walter Reed Organization, neglected to place a copyright indication on the prints. All oh, right, okay. So All that's right. Well, no, maybe that's not the reason. There's another reason that John Russo guy, because John Russo then goes and has a part in um, the Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's right. Because you could pretty much people were making sequels off a of Night of the Living Dead that weren't. Yeah. Romero sequels. There weren't Romero sequels. I'm pretty sure because John Russo co... Yeah, that's it. John Russo co-wrote the script to The Night of the Living Dead. Then they had a fallout because John Russo wanted to make more of these things off the back of the success of Dawn of the Dead, right? I'm not even sure if he was involved with Dawn of the Dead or not because Dawn of the Dead made a fuck ton of money. Like, it was a joke. It was made for $1.5 million and made a lot of money. I don't think he was part of it. And John Russo yeah. wanted to take the franchise into more of a comedic sort of... Yes. Yeah. Uh, comedic, like, comma, comedy horror. Whereas Roy Romero wanted to keep treat the property seriously. Yeah. And it had a fallout. And then the Night of the Living Dead... Return of the Night of the Living Dead was that sequel we got in the 80s. I think that was 83, 82. I'm not sure. Yeah. And in 1978, we got um, Dawn of the Dead. And... I'll look that up. Return of the Living Dead. Because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that was a massive hit, but it wasn't anywhere near Dawn of the Dead, though. Yeah, it only made fourteen million dollars, so so George was right. When did yeah. it come out, though? Oh, eighty-five. All right, I was a bit off. I said eighty-three. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I remember that movie. Yeah. That one so, I've seen. <laughs> yeah, it had tits. That that chick with the massive rack. She was dancing on the grave. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think her name was Trash. <laughs> so, there you go. That's how good that film was. Um, yeah, so... Trash, uh, played by Linnea Quigley. There you go. All right. So, George R. Wright. Okay, so then we come on... So, that's probably his, like, masterpiece, I would have to say. And I need to say that Dawn of the Dead also had Tom Savini um, jump in. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was that was the first time they collect collab together. Yeah, 
uh, for the makeup and the prosthetics. Day of the Dead comes out in 1985. And now, yes. this one gets a bit of flack for it. It's, been, it's very slow paced. People feel it kind of lacks a bit of sort of, of that horror. It's not really... It isn't really scary, to be honest. Um, but neither is Day of the Dead. In my, sorry, Dawn of the Dead, in my opinion. Um, Day of the Dead is... The premise is what I think is a more articulate premise and a more insightful premise is that there's a group of survivors in a underground uh, military facility and what you learn through the um, evolution of the story is that the military was actually put there to help uh, civilian scientists develop a cure. Now, through attrition, this group of uh, military soldiers uh, have been pretty much killed one by one through, I don't know, maybe taking out zombies or whatever. They're down to, I think, six people. And civilians are down to uh, five, I think. Yeah, five. So they're low on numbers, low on supplies. And the major who was in charge has recently passed. And the new guy who's in charge is an absolute cockhead. Yeah. (laughs) And basically, you have a a friction between the two fractions, if that makes sense. And that leads to um, them fucking up. And through a fuck up, a guy who's have a complete mental breakdown decides to end it all for everybody, goes up top, lets all the zombies in, brings them back down through the elevator, and all hell breaks loose. The last of civilian survivors break out or escape through a helicopter. So similar to Dawn of the Dead, they get away through a helicopter. What is this? This film is a bit hokey because the whole point of um fuck, what's his name? Not Rickles. She, the guy that goes a guys absolutely a wall. Yeah, Miguel Salza. I forgot. You know what? To be honest, when I was what? watching this movie, I, I forgot he was in it. You will. And, and then next minute, he's getting his arm chopped off, and I'm like, who the fuck's this guy? It is a bit shit because they they wouldn't have a reason, right? They needed some sort of plot device to have, to have the elevated. The gate fall down. Yeah. Allow the zombies to then get in the elevator and descend to the facility. So it's a bit shit in that respect. And yeah, I, I understand why people think that's a bit shit. Yeah. Um, and the fence that's keeping the zombies out is like the it, like you've got better fences at your market guard. You know what I mean? It's just like this flimsy fucking little wiry fence. And it's like, seriously, the weight of the, pit of the zombies will just fall over. It'll just fall over, right? Great. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so... The premise of the, um, uh, like keeping them out, is a bit dumb. In, in Dawn of the Dead, at least they had the they had the trucks, so the trucks and they couldn't get into the the shopping mall. Here they've got a little a little wiry fence, and they're all kind of pushing at the gate. And it's like the the soldiers like, well, let's just fucking kill them. The chick's like, no, you can't. The two riled up, and it's like, well, if you just went over there, literally, because all you have to do is walk over there put a bullet in all that, like one bullet in each other's heads. Yeah. They'd all drop. It's like, it's really something that's just dumb hokey shit that isn't really logical. It's full of it. This has a lot of plot holes, this film, and it's a bit, mm. it's a bit, it's a bit slow, man. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, you told me, all right. All right so let- is Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is as slow and I think I'd say longer than this film. Yeah, we were watching Day of the Dead, right? And I'm like, I had to watch it in parts because... Yeah, Dawn of the Dead's longer. Dawn of the Dead's another half hour. Oh, Jesus. But anyway, so yeah. I'm, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, yeah, I've started, I was, the first 
chunk that I was watching. I was cooking dinner. I'm like, um, yeah, nothing's happened. I ate dinner, nothing happened. I had to go back to work. Then the next day, uh, put it on for a little bit, nothing's happening. And and I'm like, I've watched a fair chunk of this movie, and literally, like, there's been bugger all that's happened. And then uh, I'm like, oh man, I gotta finish watching this movie. This was yesterday, so I put it, <laughs> I put it on, and uh, I'm in my little home gym working out, and I'm like like fuck this movie's gone for ages and i have a look at what's left there's half an hour left and nothing really has happened yet and then that last half hour goes balls to the wall like literally doesn't give you a chance to breathe now some might say that slow um uh, that slow payout the slow burn off or whatever is good because the payout is great um yeah maybe back in the day um but i think today's day and age yeah it's probably probably a bit slow um but i do want to bring up a point that i i mentioned earlier with night of living dead of doing a lot with a little but also doing a lot with a lot now this gore right there's one particular scene at the at the end in the last half hour when everything happens um the uh, bad soldiers uh, running away from How the zombies Rhodes as a villain like he's just a psycho oh, oh yeah yeah so he's good he's so good so good but um, his men um, Rhodes just ditches his men right he jumps in the only vehicle and he just he just fucks right off he's like you guys see ya they're like what the hell and they're all running from these this herd of zombies like there's hundreds of them right and uh, he pins one of his guys to the ground I think it's his first soldier to get knocked off and now, if you're a bit squeamish, I I want you to go watch this because I want you to, like, just chuck up on your screen. What happens is the zombie gets his hand and shoves it in this guy's eye sockets while the rest of the zombies are just munging on him, right, holding him down. And he just he's pulling his head off his body through his eye sockets, right, with his hand, and he's pulling it off. And the, the dude's screaming, screaming. As he's screaming, as his neck gets ripped off, his voice cord breaks, and you hear his voice just, Eow! and his cuts right off. And I was like, the effects are outdated, right? The practical gore is absolutely amazing. I was like, that is some disturbing shit. Now, I've seen a lot of disturbing shit. Now that right there, that's an image that's going to live with me for a little while because that was, that's what I mean. George A. Romero didn't hide anything. He showed absolutely everything. He took his sweet time with the kill and he wants you to feel everything that that character was going through, whether you loved him or hated him. And he can do, that's what I'm saying, he can do a lot by not showing anything. But here it is, all in your face. You can't go anywhere. Watch this. This will blow your mind and i would love to have been in the movies watching that back in that time and going and seeing what everyone's reaction was because that was insane gore like that didn't exist then didn't exist that's crazy and tom savini is a big part of it yeah and that's what um i think i like this film the most is because of the effects have come such a long way from um, dawn of the dead the zombies look a lot better um, the gore kills are fantastic with the ripping of the flesh open and the, just the general eating of the flesh. 
the characters are so much better in this than they are in Dawn of the Dead. Um, so Rhodes is the psycho military commander and just an absolute fucking nut bar. And then you have the main protagonist uh, who is uh, Laurie um, Cardell and she um, plays Dr. Sarah Bowman. And she is the sort of strong... You know, look, I'm not sure when this came out, 85. So there had been, I think, Aliens and um, a few other films. But strong female protagonist was very rare in the 80s, right? And you you got someone who isn't a sex symbol, who I'm not saying she's not attractive, but she's not not sexed up in any capacity. She is fundamentally the brains of the operation. She threw, she's a survivor at the end of the film. And she is like an actual really good, strong character. So yeah. playing them off each other uh, is great. Rhodes versus her. Um, then you have some supporting characters. I mean, the Jamaican pilot is a bit, but it's a bit of a caricature. Um, it was so random. I, literally, yeah. I did. I was like, who the hell is this guy? Where did he come from? It was in the scene where um, he was uh, Rhodes. What is his name? Rhodes? Oh, fuck, fuck it. Rhodes, yeah. Yeah, Rhodes was trying to get Sarah to sit down and he pulls his mm. gun out. And then this Jamaican pilot, I don't know where, pulls a gun out. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's a main character and I'm like what? what? <laughs> I swear it was yeah. a background extra two minutes ago yeah. um, it's interesting you, you mentioned the strong um, female character so this mm-hmm. is actually the first time in a in a dead movie I don't know about the rest, rest of Romero's movies that in the dead movie that he had a strong female character because one of the criticisms with Night of the Living Dead which they corrected in the remake is Barbara was just useless and it yeah kind of put you know, women in a negative light, I guess, and all that type of stuff. That was one of the well, well, that was Barbara one Barbara was useless, but she was in shell shock. She, she was shocked. She just saw her, her brother die. Yeah, but um, I think the main criticism was everyone else was just like, went through the same stuff. Yeah, she's just there, literally doing nothing. Has no real character art. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. But that was the criticism with that. Um, Dawn of the Dead I heard there was no real strong female character well Fran- Francine she's pregnant through the movie um, so they're trying to keep her alive but you know you're right there is no sort of lead gung-ho character yeah so now this one comes out and yeah kind of and uh, yeah you had you had Ripley um, you didn't really have Sarah Connor yet because uh, I can't. I don't know what came out first, this or the first Terminator. But even in the first Terminator, Sarah Connor wasn't Sarah Connor yet. So this is yeah, kind of groundbreaking. So and Laurie Strode, you can't really count her in Halloween because she was, you know, just a scared teenager who ended up being a survivor, but not like this. So yeah, this was definitely groundbreaking as well, having a strong female lead, especially in one of Romero's movies. It was. I don't. I, oh, I can't back up the claim is the first but it's definitely one of the first few to really do it that way oh it's not gonna be no it's not the first strong female lead mm. but in a george a romero um zo- like zombie movie and his dead movies it's the first one so yeah it's just ah it's just good it was that that's one of the um uh pro critiques about this movie mm. Mm. and it did go through a lot of rewrites, I'm understanding, and it did have a lot of back and forth as to how they should sort of develop the story. One of the key themes um, that I mentioned earlier was the evolve, 
the involvement of the zombies. So the zombies continue to learn and they can, they sort of in the back of their sort of consciousness, remember what it was to be human and they want to do human things. And then they kind of take that concept and they ramp it up by having the scientists have the zombies do these bizarre experiments um, and you get sort of a really mm, kind of half ass explanation about how they can be trained. The zombies can be trained if you give them a reward. Ugh. And the whole point of the conflict is that this mad scientist called Frankenstein is actually feeding one of his pet zombies the corpse of uh, some of the dead troops, and then that leads to a conflict. And that's another thing that comes out of nowhere. This movie, this movie takes so long, you know, and then goes, oh. A bud or whatever the zombie's name is, he just needs a treat. Oh, he's not going for that. So you know it's just a matter of time before he gives him, like, people, right? Because mm. where else is he going to find fresh meat? And then, literally, like, there's no build to him actually doing that. He just does it, and then he gets shot and dies. And then you're in the last half hour of the movie, and it's like... Mm, that's, I think... There's some uh, pacing, pacing issues, man. Pa- there is some pacing issues. I mean, it is an 80s film, and it, and it kind of does dwaddle a bit. It does. It only is a hundred minutes. That's not really that long. Um, just a bit over an hour and a half. But it felt, um, it felt longer. But like Dawn of the Dead is much longer. It's another half hour on top of this. But um, overall, I feel like you get a pretty satisfying story. Um, bit hokey in parts, yeah. But when they get pushed into the caves where all the all the other zombies have been kept. That's pretty scary-ish. That's where you kind of get your jumps. Um, and then the, um, you know, some of the side characters are pretty funny. Uh, what's that guy with the glasses? Fuck, I forgot his name. Uh, nah, I forgot too, man. <laughs> Bub? No, not Bub. That's the zombie. Steel? Is it Steel? Yeah, pretty sure it's Steel. He's hey, pretty funny. Not? Um, so you get these good characters. It's a relatively simple story. You kind of understand both sides of what's going on because the, the guys are like, well, we've been down here for fucking for however long. Nothing's happening. You haven't given us any results. And then you got this freak zombie, uh, lover, Dr. Frankenstein doing weird shit. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of just kicks off all this bullshit. Um, and then, one guy who's on the brink of a complete mental breakdown then decides because he's been bitten, he's going to end it all for everybody and lets the zombies in. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That You know, a lot of shit going on. I like it. I, it's it's probably, it isn't the best. Look, I know it's not the best out of the Holy Trinity. Yeah. But it's my personal favorite, okay? Um because Tom Savini does a fantastic job in the special effects. Oh, uh, yeah. Fantastic. And it did have a really crappy remake in 2008, which well, also spawned the sequel. We'll get there. Let's maybe keep, let's move this bad boy along because we've let's been move it. for almost an hour. Oof. All right. Oof. All right. So, now these are independent films, people. And I know, you know, when you got financing, you don't think, oh, George R. Made, made he made money, but he's not a super-duper millionaire, right? But he made money. So, he kind of, you think he's done with that sort of stuff. In the 80s, he only um, makes another two films, um, Creepshow 2, uh, which is kind of interesting. I don't really like the Creepshow, the original, but um, 
a film called Monkey Shines, which is just horrific. It's so bad, it's unbelievable. Um, and then he pretty much doesn't do much. He is a producer and a writer on the remake of The Night of the Living Dead in the 1990s. Anthony, you want to, I haven't seen the remake. I didn't even know it existed, to be honest. Did you want to just quickly talk about that one? Yeah, it was, it was <clears throat> directed by Tom Savini, yep. makeup artist. Um, essentially what it was, it was a re, uh, retelling of the same story. Um, you could probably put the film side by side and they would almost be fairly identical. Um, shot for shot? Not shot for shot, but also um, there's stuff added. And what they've done is they've mm-hmm. tweaked, tweaked the Barbara character so she's no longer um, quite useless. Um, they uh, tweaked the ending as well. So, um, yeah, spoiler alert, Ben does have a similar fate, but it's it's not quite the same as it was before. They've tweaked it, so it's not as sad, I guess. Um, and uh, they they gave Cooper Ben's original fate. So they just did they did some tweaks, and essentially what they did was they fixed, I guess, the main criticism and errors or things that the fans were, you know, like, oh, sucks that Ben got done that way. They fixed those. It was fairly well received. It's not as good as the original. Um, it's got Tony Todd as Ben. He does a great job, um, mm-hmm. but it's it's a it's a good movie. It is a good movie. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, I just read a very brief Wikipedia about it. Um, so the whole reason why it came about was because um, of that copyright issue you mentioned earlier, and that they were worried someone would make an unauthorized remake anyway. So what they did was they remade it to then get the copyright. Um, and basically, Savini was hired, but George R. Romero, from what I understand from this wiki page, was a bit hands-off, and the other producers were just constantly sort of shitting on him in terms of his what he wanted to put into the film, and he didn't have a really good time because a lot of films, a lot of the scenes were cut from the film to, to get that rating, that PG-13 or whatever the fuck rating. Mm. So it wasn't, apparently he didn't like it, and George Aramari, I think, did it just to protect the copyright, to be honest. Um, because the fact that he was just a producer and he wrote the screenplay, which probably would have been just the original screenplay, goes to show that he probably just wanted to protect his interest in the franchise name. Still a good movie, though. Like, whether all that shit it, happened it, or not. It was an actual film, though. It wasn't a TV movie, am I right? No, no, it's film. Film. Yep. All right, maybe I'll check this out. Is it on YouTube? I think I've got it. But either way, oh, they, you'll be able to you'll be able to find it. Either way. Um. For so sure. he doesn't do anything for a while in terms of the zombie franchises. Um. In fact, he doesn't do anything for a while. Full stop. <laughs> um. In the nineties, he only makes two films or three just, films. It's just chilling out. Um. And none of them are a success. So he 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 makes he's making these independent films that aren't really landing, um, because I think that's a time gone by. Two Eyes tanks massively, made for nine million box office, thirty three hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. So he goes back to the well and comes up with Land of the Dead. Now Land of the Dead is the first Hollywood produced uh, in the franchise. It's not my personal favorite. I would say it's probably my least favorite. I saw this one with friend of the podcast, Age. We went to the movies to see it uh, back in 2005. Mm-hmm. It has 
it's the same premise. It's pretty much rehashed in the last ditch, ditch or resemblance of humanity are living in this city. The city gets overwhelmed by zombies. They escape. <laughs> um, it's has some interesting ideas, like the whole fact the zombies get distracted by light, so they shoot up the lights. Yeah, uh, the, the uh, fireworks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But then it has some really bizarre ideas, like that guy who's mentally challenged. Um, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> like what? What is that whole thing about? <laughs> and and the fact that one of the zombies learns how to shoot a gun and is rocking a machine gun at the end of the film. Um. Yeah, I don't know. What did you think of Land of the Dead? Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought of it. No, it was, look, I remember when I watched it in two thousand five. I was like, again, this is my reintroduction. It was my introduction to to George A. Romero. I was like, I was like, damn man, there's some gore in this shit. Whoa, 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 whoa! Like, geez. So I enjoyed it when it came out. Yeah. Uh, like, I didn't think it was a masterpiece, but I enjoyed it, and I, and I think it's a rewatchable movie. It's definitely got its flaws, but it's but if you're watching it at the time, think about us. I, I was 16 years old, so ideally, I'm a 16 year old being introduced to something I didn't know existed. To me, it was it was good, but then you find the other stuff and you go, oh, actually, there's some better things. But you know, when it came out, I remember enjoying it. Well, I mean, if you enjoy it, enjoy it, like. It's hokey as far. It's a, it's a bit campy, to be honest, actually. Oh, very. Um, and it's a bit like... It doesn't know what lane it is. Um, it's 97 minutes. It's produced... Well, so distributed by Universal Pictures. So, like I said, the first sort of studio zombie film. Um, and it's just... I don't know. It's a bit flat. Um, the main character, uh, Riley, he's played by Simon Baker. And John... Um, What's his name? John Leguizamo? Leguizamo, yeah. Yeah, he plays Cholo. I mean, he's pretty cool. Dennis Hopper's in it, and it's a bit... <laughs> Luigi, and, Luigi and King Cooper are in that movie. Yeah. For the, the original Mario Brothers movie. Uh, um, funny shit. Yeah, then you got that weird guy who plays Charlie. I don't know what the fuck that's about. I just don't like that guy, eh? Just, nah. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck, I don't know. They... Like, it's pretty interesting how they got these rich people living in a tower and they send yep. out these pebs to go get supplies in a zombie world and they come back and then if they do a good enough job, they get a spot in the tower. But it's all a conspiracy because they don't ever give anyone a spot in the tower because you have to be born in the tower to stay in the tower. Yeah. Um. So it's a lot of metaphoric stuff about the 1% and the 1% using the 99% and, you know, human aspirations and the state of society, rah, rah, rah. But the metaphor is a bit done, not in poor taste, but like so obvious that it's like so ham-fisted. It's like, I don't know, misses the mark. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think it's a bit mediocre, to be honest. Yeah. No, I can see where you're coming from. But it does have good production values. It does have that decent enough budget where it looks cool. I'm not sure if Tom Savini actually did the effects on this on this one. There was a lot of CGI. No, it wasn't Tom Savini. I believe um, there was a guy who was under Tom Savini. Oh, okay. uh, uh, but yeah, but the, some of the CGI stuff was definitely really hokey, even for the day. 
Yeah, I mean, he got he got did get positive reviews when it came out. Um, it's it's like well, it, I don't know. It's like you gave this guy a big budget, and this is what he came up with, and it wasn't. No, no, it's like one of those things is. If you give people infinite money, are they going to come up with something as good as if you force them to be creative by taking away their budget? You know what I mean? Yeah. See, if you take away their budget, they've got to be creative at how to do things. Um, yeah, anyway. So, Land of the Dead comes out, and it's probably... It's it's a decent effort. Like, it's my least favorite. But I don't really consider what comes next to be part of the sequence of films, if that makes sense. To me, the Trinity is... Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and these films are kind of like, eh. <laughs> so yeah. then after Land of the Dead, you get um, Diary of the Dead, which is fucking horrific. Oh, mate. You know what? These last two movies just, they upset me, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrific. Um, I think this was distributed by Weinstein Company. Um, so Diary of the Dead, is, I'm pretty, I've only seen it once, but it was really bad. And I'm fairly certain is this this is the one that's um shot through like the hand handy cam? This is this is the found footage one. The found, found footage the one. found yeah. footage one that has perfect audio, that has split cameras, that yeah. has uh music over it, um, that is like it yeah, it just makes me upset. It's bad. Oh, so I remember when so I watched the survival and then um and then some remakes and stuff started coming out, and then I couldn't get enough zombies. Uh, not survival, sorry. Um, Land of the Dead. Couldn't get enough zombies, so I started rewatching things. The 1990s movie, blah 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 blah. And then this movie came out, and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. It's, it's like could feel got, my got, heart breaking. He <laughs> got, got trapped in the the whole found footage movement of the. Um... 2000s. Oh, you know made, I mean? made enough for him to spawn a sequel. Well, I don't know how, because then you get fucking even worse film, yeah, uh, Survival of the Dead. Yeah, and this is kind of his last directorial de- uh, director film. Um, it is even worse than fucking Diary of the Dead. They go yep. back to the origins, um, and it's more of a linear sort of story shot conventionally. Yeah. I don't know. It's like I don't even know what to say. I, like I saw like this. I saw this film again. The Diary of the Dead. I saw once. And I saw this one once as well. And I'm like, this isn't him. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he did direct this. To be honest, it can't be. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> well, no. what, what do you think about it? It's garbage. Like it's garbage. It, it's gar- it's garbage, man. And I gave it a chance. And I don't actually remember finishing this movie. Eh? I remember it's putting so I remember boring. putting putting it in and just going that this is shit and turned it off. It's I, so boring. Yeah. And you also at this point as well, you started getting remakes of Day of the Dead and stuff mm-hmm. coming out. And pretty much after Land of the Dead, anything that had any connection to the Dead franchise, including George A. Romero's original work, was just shit. Like yeah. Pretty much. pretty much just murdered the franchise. I, any, and I mean anything. They remade Night of the Living Dead again, this time in 3D. Um, and that was meant to be really, really bad. Like, Tommy Wiseau bad. Um, really? They did a remake? There's multiple remakes. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, 
it's, is that because it's it's um no but I don't know. No, I think the 3D one was a uh, like it was a straight to DVD, but that was a um, certified remake or whatever. And then I think yeah, the others were playing off the um, the bullshit status of that movie. Yeah, right. Oh, I don't even know. I still don't even know there was a fucking 3D remake. Dead Central. <laughs> there you go. Re- not Living Dead 3D reanimation. Yeah. Wow. Um. Uh, look, you celebrate the man Forty did because he came up with fucking some hitters. He actually came up with probably the greatest uh, concept of all time. Right? Everybody loves a zombie apocalypse film. Yeah. He spawned a genre, and one man spawned a genre. Yeah. He was a truly a independent filmmaker. Yep. Uh, and like, here's the other thing: when people get upset about remakes of classic films. John Carpenter himself, the king of independent film, in my opinion, basically said he doesn't give a fuck about remakes. He loves remakes. He loves remakes, especially of the ones of the films that he came up with and owns because it's yep. another payday. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, it. So that's what you got to look through the, the prism of. you got to celebrate. You have these films and nothing's ever going to change that. And re- remake them, come up with new ones. Occasionally you get a good remake. Um the Dawn of the Dead remake was fantastic. Uh, yep. It inspired... Um, it spawned, sorry, not inspired, but it spawned a whole lot of uh, the second wave of zombie movies. Um, it made, I think, like hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office. It was just so good, right? And that's what you yep. got to appreciate that Okay, towards the end of the career, the guy probably isn't as hungry as he was in the early half of his career. He's made a lot of money from being an independent maker and having such big success with this franchise. Um, stuff he's done outside of that franchise hasn't been that great, to be honest. Uh, Creepshow is probably his most... And The Crazies are probably the two most high-profile films. Both are okay. Crazy is probably my favorite. I don't really Creep- like Creepshow. No, I like, I like Creepshow. Yeah, I like it. That's not bad, but it's not great. Um, And you just basically have a man who shot his shot and is the godfather of zombie films, but then zombie apocalypse films, right? And then also, I guess, zombie horror, zombie thriller, zombie comedy. Whole lot, the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's all. It's all comes. It all stems from him and his uh, and his um, awesomeness. <laughs> and look, it doesn't even matter about those last couple of movies anyway, because at the end of the day, like, <sighs> yeah, he, you're right. He created a whole. He just created a whole thing. He literally created a whole thing. The idea of zombies just appearing one day and survivors trying to survive. Um, you know, Resident Evil, like. Come on. It's all comes from George A. Romero. They're no longer where zombies a voodoo ritual um, done to bring one person back from the dead. It's all of a sudden now it's a pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Um, phones. Yeah, mate. Very, as we're going to wrap this thing up, we're going for a while and, and yeah, we probably should probably close this one out. But I just I feel so inspired. I love this man. I want to talk about his films. Oh, what good. are your favorite zombie films? 
Uh, and if it is, maybe these ones, maybe rank these ones. I don't know. What, outside of George uh, George A. Romero, what are your favorite zombie films? And then maybe maybe rank or say if you could only have to, if you only have to see three, what are they? I can go first if you like. Is he researching? Anthony there? Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, sorry. No, my microphone just, uh, I don't know. It's all weird shit. Um, can you I, hear me? I can hear you, yep. yep. You go You go first, man. Okay, so in terms of his work, I think um, I'm a purist, and I think you have to see... Night of Living Dead first. Yep. Then I'd say you'd probably want to see um, Dawn of the Dead remake, mm-hmm. and then Day of the Dead. I my personal favorite is Day of the Dead out of all of that. Um, and then I would also say Land of the Dead is worth a watch, but it's not really something to worth. It's something to have maybe in the background or whatever if you're on the phone or just want to chill out for a bit. Yeah. That's probably my take on it. Dawn of the Dead, the original film, I have sort of, I just have a, it's not great. I mean, a lot of tonal issues, pacing issues, characters are a bit, eh, not, it's a bit, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's more of a spectacle than it is a good movie. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say before, but when I was struggling and umming and ahhing. Um, in terms of zombie films overall, I feel like um, there are so many of them, but... So many. <laughs> but I, I truly believe that some of the best ones are the comedic zombie films. Yep. Um, so Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland being two. I really mm-hmm. love those two films. Yep. But I also like um, the ones that are sort of taken in, I guess, um, like black comedy, I guess, or more like stuff like Dead Snow. Yep. Um, Train to Busan is a more it's a South Korean film that's a fantastic zombie film and then you've also got 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later which are both pretty good both yep. pretty good um, World War Z is not my bag um, but uh, and not, 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 neither is Planet Terror I didn't really like Planet Terror um, but yeah I mean there's plenty guys there's really heaps but I, I think you can't go wrong if you, you want to check out any one of those films they're all they're all pretty fantastic what about you Anth? Uh, no look definitely agree with what you said with uh, the Romero movies and then um, 28 weeks 28 days they're, they're up there and before people freak out and go they're not zombies listen alright if somebody's biting somebody or sharing bodily fluids and they get infected with something then they go crazy and try and kill you they're a zombie. All right. Good. Because mm. um, they're not in control of what they're doing. Uh, now, uh, Wreck. Oh, or, Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yep, Spanish film. Yeah, yep. yep. And I do not mind at all the uh, uh, the remake, the American remake, Quarantine. Um, so, of the remake of Wreck. I do not mind that at all. So, I recommend those. No pun intended. Yeah, they are very good, actually. You're right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. There's also some, if you want to go deep into the genre, there's stuff like Night of the Creeps, which is pretty funny. 
yeah came out in the 80s um there's also um some other uh fuck what's the name of it um fuck ah, shit i can't remember is it creepers i'm lo- oh, i can't remember um Black Sheep, that's also a pretty good one. Oh, fuck, I hate that movie. Oh, did you do? Yeah, <laughs> I did not like it. Um, well, fair enough. Um, I mean, you could probably argue, you know, Army of Darkness is a zombie film because of the, the dead Army of the Dead. You could make that argument. But I'm not going to say it. Return of the Living Dead is a great sort of comedic slapstick film. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's plenty. But, I mean... In summary, in closing, you have to give credit to where it all came from, and it all came from him, the master. And uh, now that we're in lockdown from a virus, and the whole world is going end, it's it's actually like pretty poetic, and I think somewhat um, he's almost like a prophet, <laughs> especially in the shops. I see everyone fucking going bullshit batshit crazy over toilet paper um losing their fucking minds over over food and just hoarding and just being so selfish and disgusting you're telling me and it's like this is exactly what he said would happen in all these films (laughs) and we're not even having a zombie outbreak we have a virus that is deadly and i'm not not trying to downplay it at all but if you take certain precautions and you are healthy and fit the odds are in your favor so it doesn't make any sense. There's no food shortages. The virus hasn't shut down any major industries other than what the government has shut down as a precaution. Yeah. It's bizarre. And if you're listening to this in Australia, I am a primary food producer, and I want to tell you right now, there are no food shortages in Australia. So if you're freaking out and you're buying every freaking thing, oh, God. just think of your mate Phony, all right, on the tractor trying to make a living, all right? And he's telling you, he's guaranteeing you, well, at least what I grow, which is vegetables, there's plenty of it, all right? Relax. And Mm. most importantly, everyone, we're wrapping this up. Don't turn into zombies. Don't start biting people. Just be polite. Live your day-to-day as best you can. Be nice, everybody, because in all of George A. Romero's movies, he has subplots. His subplots are looking at human behavior. And you don't want to say that a guy who was making a movie about a zombie knew that you were going to freak out and buy a shitload of toilet paper. Do you? Just be nice, everybody. Be it's, nice. It's amazing, though. It's amazing. He called it. He called it. He called it, man. He called it. He called everything. All right. As always, you can find us on SoundCloud, Twitter, and iTunes. Um, Ant, thanks for your time, buddy. This has been a good one. I've enjoyed it. Good. We've gone for an hour, over an hour. We haven't done that in a while. So we've, we've pretty much we've done the uh, the the Day of the Dead uh, runtime almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, take it easy. Be nice to each other. Take take care.